glad to see everybody this morning. Did you have a good week? Well, I am hope. Well, no, no, I don't know if anybody's uh, didn't get a good response from that. So week must have been bad. Might have fantastic week. It was hot though. It was hot yesterday. I think it hit 133 in the shade, something like that. Although I'll tell you how hot it was, and you're supposed to say how hot was it. There you go. Now we're getting into things. I saw a coyote chasing a rabbit, and they're both walking. That's how hot it was. And uh, had one of those little fans on him like this, you know, sitting around. I'm, good. I'm glad to be with you this morning. We're going to open up the Word of God. And that is, that is something that I look forward to like you, you just don't know. And it is for me, it is to be able to come before you and worship and sing those songs like Victory in Jesus. You know, they call that the Baptist anthem, uh, Victory in Jesus, because that thing just encapsulates everything that we believe. And I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for you being here this morning. And I'm here today this morning to, to share with you a message from the Lord. Because it comes straight out of his word. And I'm glad that you're here this morning. I'm so proud of you for being here this morning. And so as we look into his word today, we're going to get right after it because there's so much to look at and so many things that God has challenged us to do. And that's really, when you read God's word, when you sit and be still with him, you know there's challenges that God has for you. The challenge is to sit and be still, one. And the other challenge is to say, God, I want to hear from you. And not only do I want to hear from you, God, I want to know, I want to do what you have prepared for me today. Because God has things prepared for us. Because he's not up there just sitting around, you know, watching YouTube or anything. God's up there and he's watching us. He's preparing for us. He knew that you'd be here this morning. He's a loving God and he has something for us. I'm always, I'm always going to remind you that the word of God is living. It's active. He's with us this morning. And not only that, we're going to let the word speak to us because there's some principles we're going to find in here. Actually charges that God, that uh, Moses is giving to the people. And I'm sorry, Joshua is giving to the people. See, I've already messed up. And uh, that Joshua is given to the people because God has already spoken to Joshua. And we, and we had two or three sermons on that about what God had spoken to Joshua and said, this is what you need to do. And this is how you're going to do it. And now we come to the time to where it's time to cross. It's time to, get, time to get in there. And Joshua comes up to him. Well, let's stand together and read it. Let's let the Bible speak. We stand for God's word because it is holy. It is his word. It's eternal. And we show great respect when we stand for it. So I thank you for that. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you're going to cross this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses had gave you beyond the Jordan. But you shall cross before your brothers in battle array all your valiant warriors and shall help them. Until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you and they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to your own land and possess that which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. And this is their response. And I love this response. And they answered Joshua saying, all that you've commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was Moses. And anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words and all that, you command him shall be put to death. Now look at the last thing they told Joshua. Only be strong and courageous. You see, he'd already told them what God had said, and so they're, they're, they're mirroring that back to him. Let's pray about that, because i got some things to say about that this morning. Lord God, I thank you, and I praise you, Lord, because we're here together. I thank you, God, that, that as we, people woke up this morning and said, we're going to go to church and hear from the Word of God. And Heavenly Father, I know that I'm not worthy to touch one syllable in this Word. 
And so, Holy Spirit, come and move with us this morning. That we may know that you are God and be still. And not only to know and to be still, but also to, to, to know the plans that you have for us, the goals that you have for us. And Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do this morning and all you have done. And we're here to give you glory, honor, and respect. And Heavenly Father, to see where you're leading us. Let us go willingly into that land. So we thank you and praise you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I thought I was finished with this sermon on Wednesday, and I was reading a little bit more, and the Lord put some things in my heart. Let me ask you something about, it's not even the Old Testament, I need to know where you're at. Do you believe in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? See, I love that, amen. So you believe in the life and death and resurrection that God sent his son in Luke 19.10, to seek and save the lost. Do you believe that? I do. Do you believe that the cross is the only payment for sin? Amen. Amen. Boy, we better be amen in that because it's it. There is nothing other. Mankind may invent some things, but that's the only thing. And so we believe in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came to this earth to seek and save the lost, that the cross is the only payment for sin. Do you believe that Christ is fully God, and as fully God, he, lay, he willingly laid down his life for us? Do you believe that? Amen. Do you believe that God and the Holy Spirit, in Romans chapter 8, tells us, that God the Holy Spirit raised him out of that grave and he sits with Jesus with God today. Do you believe that? <clears throat> so if you believe those things, do you believe that God can do great things today? I believe that. If we believe those things, do we believe that God can do great things in our marriages? I believe it. I believe that God can do great things in our marriages. That he can heal a marriage. Do you believe that if God can do all the things that the, the Bible tells us, do we believe that he can also break the addictions and the, and the chain of death and sin in our people? Do you believe that? Amen. I believe that God also will deliver us from our past because the past holds us down. When you look into Scripture, you'll see many times God says, get over your past, you're in the present now, you're with me, it is time to go forward. Do you believe that? I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ brings us peace with God. And people sometimes have a hard idea about that, but it's just to bring us peace with God because God is at war with sin. He can't have it anywhere near him. And there is a judgment for sin. As much as we hate the word judgment, as much as we hate, because people, what's the first thing they'll tell you? Oh, don't judge me. I'm a terrible judge, but I'm telling you, there's a heavenly one above, a holy one above that does. And so when we understand these things and we understand that he can deliver us from the past, he can bring us peace with God to know that the promises of God are real and sealed. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that is exactly where these people are in the Old Testament about God has done some things in their lives. And so they need to believe in, in him because they're about to take a land to possess the land and God has some goals for them. And so the, the promises of God have been kept. Every one of them. God has rescued them. He has guided them. He has protected them. And now he's giving to them. That sounds like God today. Amen. That he rescues us from sin. He guides us in this life. He provides for us. And he has given us all things. And I love preaching the fact that God has given us all things that pertain to life. And you'll see that in Second Peter. He's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. The reason we need to hold on to these things is because we know that God has a plan for us and he is now sending them into the land that he has prepared all the way back from Abraham. He has prepared them for this moment. And God has some goals for them. So the life, the land, and rest is God's goal for them. 
You see it in Joshua chapter 1. Let's take a look at it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 11. He says, You pass through the midst of this camp and command the people, prepare, prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you're going to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess it. This is not some rental agreement he's talking about. He says, You're going to possess this land. This is not some short term thing. This is for you to possess it. And the second goal is this it is a gift of God, He's giving it to them. Do you know in the book of Joshua, God talks about land 87 times. And the land, yes, there's physical land, but what he's saying, there's a land that you belong to that I'm a part of. And as a land, it's very much the same thing we see in Hebrews chapter 11, because those who are those faithful of God were always searching for that undiscovered country, that land of God, that land of faith, and God has provided it for us. So God has these two goals in mind for them to understand that God has given it to them freely. They didn't do anything to earn it. Isn't that amazing? They didn't do anything to earn it. Doesn't that sound like the gospel to you? It's a gift from God. That's what the Bible tells us. You see, the similarities here are just so amazing. And that's the reason why the Bible is so beautiful. It harmonizes itself so well that God says the work and desire of God, God has done all the work to get them to this point. All they have to do is possess it. All they do, all they have to do is say, yes, God, I want to go into that land. We sang it just a minute ago to cross that river. Oh, there's a beautiful scene. I can't wait to preach that one when they actually get to the river because it's a it's a powerful scene. But you see, God has goals for us too. Now, God has personal goals for you, and God has those things in, in, the, in, your, in your marriage and your kids and, and, the, and in your life today and so many different avenues of life. God is capable of establishing those things in your heart and giving them to you. Do you believe that? So if God can do all the things I talked about earlier, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to send his son to us, that we may have life. If he can do all those things, he can heal our marriages. If he can break the bondage of sin in people, don't you think that he has a will and a plan for this church? I do too. I believe that God's will and a plan is for us to stand strong in the face of all of this world and to be a light and the salt that he asks us to be in Matthew chapter 7. And Matthew chapter 6, I love that Sermon on the Mount. Because not only are we supposed to do those things, he gives us that instruction we be strong, that our foundation is in Jesus Christ, that we're not going to build it on sand, because if you build it on sand, the next thing you know, out it goes. We're going to build it on Jesus Christ. So God has a will and a plan for Aaron Springs Baptist Church. And the thing is, I want to tell you that, that um, now I've been in my prayer time quite a bit and I've been praying about. And so I won't tell you that I've had a conversation with God, but I feel led to tell you something about a goal that I believe he will. He's, he has for us. Last week, you guys did an amazing job. We had 81 in Sunday school. Now, that's fantastic. Amen. We had 81 people in Sunday school. I saw people running around. I was so blessed by that. And when we came in here, there was 151 in this sanctuary. What God has shown to us, we just have to put forth the desire and he gives us the benefit. He gives us and proceeds us through. So here's my goal. Because without a goal, the Bible tells us without a vision, what, what happens to people? They perish, don't they? So I have a goal in six to eight months to have 115 in Sunday school. Can I do that alone? No, but I know together we can because we are three chords, as that says, three chords bound together are stronger than the single strand. We can do this together. And we don't do it. And let me tell you this. Let me get to the second goal. The second goal is to have 175 in this building right now in six to eight months. And I believe that if we, if we take that goal and look at it and say, that is something that God wants for us, we're going to get there. And it's not just to put people in the building. Now, I want you to be very clear about that. It's just not the fact that I can go around and I can tell my pastor friends, oh, we had 115 in Sunday school. Oh, we had 175 in church. That is not the goal. What is the goal? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's it. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glory of God. And that's the reason we want to do it, because you have no idea how many people do not know about what I just stated, about what we believe in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe it so much so that I'm going to take it to the end of my life. Because he tells me there's life after that. That's what we do. And so when we look at this, we see that God has goals for us. So, and I'm going to be promoting those things. We already have Church Center. How many of you have Church Center on your phones? All right, we need even more. And the reason we're doing that is just, it's just basically a little simple app that you put on your phone, and it's going to let you know what's going on at the church. Because even with that, some people are going to come up to me and had no idea what we're doing. We had no idea that was going on, and I understand that. That's what this is to help with. It's to help in prayer requests. In fact, I love giving out the prayer request because we, need, we are praying people. We need to be better, better about praying. But it's the, the reason I'm putting that out there is because it is just one small piece of the overall puzzle. And so get with Levi, get with Nathaniel and get that. And that's all I'm going to say about that because the more important it's about Jesus here and about the Lord God. So let's talk about the goals and let's talk about the things that God has given us. The first thing I want to tell you is, is that when God has had all these things that he has given to them, he has kept his promise. His promise was, as I talked about earlier, was to rescue them. He guided them. He's protected them. And now he's giving to them. He has entered into a covenant with them. From the time of Abraham, a covenant was made. So let me tell you what the difference is between a covenant and a contract. Does anybody know the difference? Well, let me tell you what the difference between a covenant and contract. A contract is to protect individual rights. So if you go into a business transaction and you have a contract, like I have a contract for my phone, and it's all slanted to one side, I understand that, and I get that, but I get to use it every now and then when the signal allows me to do it. You know, folks, on the side note, we've put men on the moon, and we've got stuff in the galaxy all over the place, and we can't get signal in Lindsay, Oklahoma. I hung up on somebody seven times the other day. I think it was Megan. I hung up on her seven times. And I... This is me trying to find the signal. He says, well, he's really lost it now. The thing is, is that that's just one small piece. And that contract is this. It's protect rights. And so I have the rights and they have rights. And say, do you agree with these things? And you sign the contract and off they go. So that's a contract. A covenant is much different. A covenant is made between two people, and it's not about protecting rights. It's about giving up those rights to each other. That's a covenant. And there's promises made in that, and it's very similar to a wedding. In fact, it is a wedding. What do you do? You give vows to each other. You have a covenant with each other. And so that covenant is, I promise to love you in sickness and in health, I promise to love you in even the good times and the hard times. I promise that there's nothing going to come between us that's going to separate us. Those are vows. We need to have a very clear understanding of what a vow is anymore. Because a vow says, I promise to do these things. That's a covenant. And you come together, and the Bible tells us that you are put together. You become one. Well, that's amazing, isn't it? That God And that word means to weld together. So a, a covenant is meant to weld you together with your wife or your husband. And so God has he's got a covenant with them through Abraham's time. And that bond, that welding together, God has kept his side of the covenant. Always will, will never fail in that. The problem comes in is when our side... Because God has given us a covenant, and so on our side is, it is our job to keep it. Well, I can tell you that God has those standards, and he has the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the desire for his people to enter into that covenant and say, yes, we'll do. And if you look at, uh, at the very end of that passage, it says, we're going to do, in verse 18, we're going to do everything you tell us we're going to do. Now, that's kind of like a thing they're telling Joshua, but what they really need to be doing, instead of saying it to Joshua, they're saying to God, we're going to do what you ask us to do. And we're going to be the people you intend us to be. 
And so God has given them a covenant all the time, all the way back into Abraham. And so that has those standards about worship and, and about the, the, the covenant that God has for us and those standards of worship and behavior and all those things. But let me just tell you this. The reason I talked about do you believe in these things that we live under a different covenant right now? A covenant between our, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a covenant in blood. It tells us right there when we have a Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is there is a new covenant. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ. And people say, well, I don't get all that thing about the blood. The blood is the thing that covers the sins. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that it's the blood that must be spilt if there's going to be any redemption of sins. And Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice. And in him we have a covenant. And that covenant says this in his blood, that if we accept him, that he cleans us by his blood. And not only does he clean us through that, he guides us and protects us and keeps us and gives to us. That's why it's important for us to understand that. And here's the great thing about it is, is that it's always there. It is real and it is sealed. You cannot lose it. What God has given you cannot lose in that covenant. It's that personal bond we have with our Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells us that personal bond goes so much deeper now that we are cleaned up, that we are forgiven, and we are made brand new. But it also tells us in Romans chapter 8, it tells us that we are heirs of God, we are children of God, and we are to take what he has given us and to be through that covenant, to be the people he's asked us to be, and to march forward in this earth proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the goal for us. But here is what we have to understand as a church. We, we say, well, I understand that. I got that. The first thing I'm going to tell you is, is that we see in this is we have to get up and go. Look at verse 11. He says, pass through the midst of this camp and command the people, prepare for provisions for yourselves. For within three days, you are to cross this Jordan. What? To go in and possess the land. I believe, that, I believe that God has things for us that we can't even imagine. Because he's, his thoughts are higher than mine. His, his desires are, are more complete than mine. But I tell you, it is amazing what God can do when a faithful group of people do it. To get up and to go. And so the previous verses are about being strong and courageous. And God was emboldening him. He's encouraging him and says, you can do these things. And remember about the word. He says, you keep that word close because I'm commanding you be strong and courageous to keep that word right in front of you. And so the thing we have to know is, is that God has given us these words and these verses for us to go To go, I want you to think about Israel for a moment. They have been out in the wilderness. Basically, when you hear wilderness, it's desert. There's not a lot of trees out there. They've been in the wilderness. They're being fed by manna, fed by quail. God has provided for them all these things. And now the time has come for them to go. Would you be a little bit nervous about that? Something I've never seen before? I'd be a little bit nervous about that. The other night I went to a murder mystery party and I was a little nervous about that. Because I'd never, I've been to one before, but I didn't know what to expect. And oh man, we had a great time. I'm keeping my eye on Chris though. But anyway, can you imagine what it was like for them? Saying we've never been here before and we know, and they, we know that there is a land that they have giants in there. You go all the way back into to numbers and it talks about that. And now they're going to go. So what they need to do is despite those things, get up and go. That's faith, folks. What does the Bible tell us? It tells us about faith. It tells us many things, but the first thing we have to understand is that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Boy, that is one of those fundamental spiritual laws that just gets us right down to the ground. Because we don't, we're there and we're trying to, to figure out how to go. And we say, God, give me the faith. The disciples asked for that too. And so we have to be people of faith. 
And so here's the thing. Let me just tell you. I'm going to get to the, to the individual charges here in just a sec. When we look at that, we have to understand that any time that we go, we need to understand and expect challenges. We need to expect challenges and hardships and the unknown. Now we know that then we know that God has all that under control and in the known. He, we know that. But what we have to also know is that those challenges will be there. And how do we respond to them? Do we just respond to them in our own strength? No. We respond to them because God has already planned all that. We just have to turn to him and say, God, I don't understand all these things, but I'm going to go ahead and walk with you because I know you have this. Because not only are there going to be challenges, and this is the positive part of this, not only are there challenges, not only there will be things that, that we have to, uh, obstacles we have to work through, there's going to be great adventures in that too. I love the fact that God has got us on this grand adventure, a life with Christ. Think about those disciples. When he called the disciples, and he says, follow me. Now, it's amazing. Those guys just got up and went leaving their parents behind, leaving their family behind, and they got up and went because Christ had called them to a new life and that adventure that he had prepared for them. So I don't want you to see it as obstacles all the time or challenges all the time. I want you to see it as an adventure. And that God has, and the great thing about it is God has joins us on that adventure. We just have to be willing to say, God, let's go. But we have to expect those things and expect that adventure. The second one is, we have to depend on God's perfect timing. In the fullness of time, Christ came. In the fullness of time, Christ will come again. But we have to, in the midst of all that between then and now, we are here as people, we have to depend on God's perfect timing. Because he has a perfect time for us, he has a perfect place for us, he has a perfect people for us, and he has a perfect purpose for us. And as a church, it is for us to take. It is for us to look forward to and to respond to. Now, here we go. So everything is in place now. Now, that's what I like to tell when I have a staff meeting with Nathaniel and Levi. I'll tell them, I said, here's the thing. We have everything we need here. We have a building we, we, have, um, we have a history, we have, uh, we have all the, the um, things necessary to succeed. We have all those things. We need to be searching God and say, God, we have all these things you've given us. We want it. Have you ever prayed that? Think about that for a moment. God, I don't know what you have prepared for me. I don't know what you have prepared for my family. I don't have prepared for my church. But as we get together and you, and you pray about that, God, I want it. And that's saying, God, I, I will follow you and, and all that, and that provision and all the things you've given us. I want it. I want to see you glorified because that's what it is. I want to see you glorified. I want to see people come and I want to see them taken out of the hands of sin and into life. I want to see them as not as children of wrath, but children of God. I want to see that, that we can, you know, we talk about change all the time and we want to go back to the good old days. Folks, we cannot go back to the good old days because they're back in the good old days. And I know that I, 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 when I think about my childhood and I think about what life was when I was a kid growing up in the 60s and 70s and I see what it is today, I yearn for that too. When things made sense. It's heartbreaking to see where we're at now. But I can tell you the love of God has not changed. If you believe Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, and I tell you that's something that's one of the, another one of those foundational Christian principles, those doctrinal principles is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we have to hold on to that. Yes, we want to return back to the good old days, but here we are maybe in the bad new days. I don't know. But all I know is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ is still with us. The church still has mission work to do. And it could be right out these doors. And it is. 
So when we look at that, we see that we are we expect and we and we depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ because he has given this to do. This is a challenge for us. He says, now go do these things. Get, your, get yourself ready for it because that's the first thing. And so here's three charges in the time I have left. And you'll see that. Three charges that we see from Joshua to his people. The first one is prepare yourselves. Look what he says here in verse 11. You pass through the midst of the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves because you're going to be leaving in three days. So they're going through the camp and says, prepare yourself, get ready to move. I know that it was back in May when uh, we came here and I tell you, it was one of the things where we're getting ready to move. Anybody enjoy that process, by the way? A lot of laughter out there. It's a little nervous laughter because you know what I'm talking about. I don't know of anybody that enjoys the preparation to move and I am included in that number. Because I am not a person of chaos. I don't like to see clutter. I, I, it just makes me nervous. And I see those things. And, and I don't, I mean, there's boxes everywhere. And there's things that were once in a cabinet. And now they're not in a cabinet. And there's always those dust bunnies. I don't know where they come from. But they magnify and they're everywhere. And so you, and then I'm thinking about those are going to help me come help me move. And I get really nervous about that. Because I want to make sure when they get here, we're ready to go. And the boxes are stacked up and the, and the, the dust bunnies are cleaned up. And I, you know I have a real problem with dust bunnies, I guess. And these crickets, by the way, are driving me insane. They're attacking me daily in my soul. I'm trying to think if it's a gift from God, but I'm not sure about it. But we go on. So anybody really get excited about moving? Well, they're the same way. He says, get ready to move. And he says, pack some provisions for yourself. He said, then you get the food together, you get your water together, you get your belongings together, get your children together. Don't forget about your kids. Make sure they go too. And I will admit there's one time I forgot one of my children. I will not tell you which, but I did do that once. <laughs> Don't forget your kids. What he's telling us is not only get ready to move with all those things, but you're getting ready with the food and the water and the all that sort of thing. He says, prepare yourself. Your resolve, your courage. Prepare yourself for the, for the faith that God has given you this land. You see, that thing is repeated all through there. In the first chapter, it is repeated time and time again that God has given these things to us. God has given us a charge hasn't he? He has given us a charge to go into all this world. And we can also know it's in Matthew chapter 28, but we also know it's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And we know it's all included all through there because we see the Acts of the Apostles. We see all the epistles written. And it's all about one thing, and it's about moving the gospel forward into this earth. And he's saying, you prepare yourselves for that. And there's different levels. You maybe have different levels of preparedness for that. God will help you with that. That's the reason we come to church, we come to Sunday school, and we make disciples. And so we, get, we prepare ourselves, and so the charge is get yourself ready for this challenge. Now, I've heard many people tell me from time to time, says, I am just not comfortable giving the gospel. Because they've seen the Romans road, and they may have seen faith, and they may have seen different um, um, soap. Um, and I don't know if that one works all that well sometimes because I can't get past the, the, the acronym. Anyway, tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And tell them your story. That I was once lost in sin, that I was a sinner, age 12, age of sinner. I didn't want anything to do with God. I hid from God, did all those things. And when I finally gave myself to him and received him, he saved me. He made me brand new. You see, all you got to do is tell him what Jesus has done. And I know that he's had his hand on me my entire life. So we prepare ourselves to talk about Jesus. And I am not ashamed, as Paul tells Timothy, do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we have all those things, if we believe in the life, death, and resurrection, why are we so unwilling to share it? Think about that for a moment. 
if we, if we believe that God sent his son to seek and save the lost, why are we so shy about it? The reason we have to be vocal about it is, is because this world is not shy about anything anymore. Except one thing, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, they love Jesus as a healer. They love Jesus as a good teacher. They love Jesus when he had the little children around him. But you put Jesus on a cross and they'll immediately have a hard time with it. Because he's the only way. And he puts on cross because we have sin. So we prepare ourselves for that. And so we must be prepared. The reason we prepare ourselves is this. Is God did not prep them for a legacy in the wilderness. They were not meant to stay there. That was just a temporary thing. While those that were 20 and above had died off and now they were ready to go. So yes, they spent their 40 years in there. But their legacy was not there. Their legacy was to be in Canaan. Where God had prepared for them. They were to be not only this, um, uh, this the legacy of wilderness wasn't theirs. They also have a purpose. And you'll find it in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. They were to be a light for all the nations. You know, God has always had the nations in his heart. And we see that uh, all the nations, it tells us in scripture that God is for all people, all nations. That the gospel is both for the Greek and the Jew and the Gentile. It's for all. And so they're to be a light for, for all nations. And I can tell you this, and this is what is about being prepared. God has never prepared his church to sit in neutral. To sit there and idle. He's never prepared that for them. He's prepared them to go. And so I know that um, when, when we're in neutral, what happens when you're in neutral? You're not one, you're not going to go anywhere unless you're on a hill and you're either going to go backwards or forwards if you're in neutral. But yet there's no power within. You're just kind of coasting along. God wants us in gear. And so when we understand that, we see that God had prepared, and we go back to, to the New Testament, you'll see that God had prepared those disciples to go into places they never intended to go. So many times did he scatter them he, did, he scattered them and sent them to all different parts of the world. Paul, he sent to Macedonia. Timothy, he sent to Ephesus. We'll see that Peter went to, went to, Mas uh, went to uh, Cappadocia. Thomas went to India. All over the world, the known world, the gospel was going to them. They scattered them out through there. Did they know where they were going? Did they understand the culture? No, but they went. I don't understand this culture either, folks. I really don't. But what I do know is this culture needs Jesus Christ, and that's enough. That's enough. So the thing he also said is this, this second charge. The second charge we see in verse 13, it says, Remember the word which Moses spoke to you. Moses had a lot of words for them. He says, remember the word which Moses, the servant Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. And go back to see what God has, has spoken to them about. Because God is the one that gave Moses that word. And so we go back and see what God has written about it. We have to remember the word. This is where a lot of Christians lack, by the way. Because the word stays closed. Oh, we'll see something on a bracelet or we'll see something on the back of a car or something like that. But when do we really dig in and enjoy the word of God seeking its truth? Many times we just kind of say, well, we, we hope it just happens by osmosis or something. We have to remember the word to be diligent to put the word of God in our hearts and our minds. Because... You want to know the mind of God. You want to know the will of God. You look at it in Scripture. And so we have to be diligent on that. We have to memorize it. We have to write it down. Does anybody know who Max Barnett is? Max Barnett, was, uh, he, he led the BSU in Norman for years and years and years, but he's also part of the Navigators. And Max Barnett, I've, I've heard him speak on several occasions. He's an amazing man of Scripture. Because he knows the scripture like backwards and forwards. And he told me this story one time. He was on going to a mission trip to Romania. 
And Romania at the time was still under communist rule. And to go into Romania to have any type of mission trip, you have to leave your Bibles at home. You cannot take your Bible. Because if you go in, they'll confiscate it because they didn't want the Word of God being out there. They didn't want people getting their hands on it. You know why? It's because it's freedom. And it tells them that they have an inherent right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you, God, for this nation. So he went into Romania, and he knew he couldn't, or he was going to Romania, he couldn't take his Bible with him. You know what he did? He committed himself to Bible memorization, and he, rem- and he memorized 914 scriptures. Man, I'm telling you, I, I, I mean, that's incredible. I can't remember 914 of anything. But he memorized, and that's, just, and that's, that's all me. He memorized 914 scriptures, and when he went in there, and and they started their mission trip, and it wasn't a mission trip where they just kind of said, you know, la-ti-da, you know, all this other stuff. He got with them and got into the, the, the potato fields, and that was their main crop, the potato fields, and he helped them pick up potatoes. And while he was picking up potatoes, he would give them scripture and tell them about the love of God through scripture. Now, he could do that legally. By the time he was done, 90% of that village were Christians. Never, ever, never, ever go in thinking that the word does not have power. Even in the thought process, there was another story, and I've and I got to tell you these things because we need, to be, we need to be readers as well. Have anybody read about Corey Tenboom? Corey Tenboom was an amazing woman, and she went through a concentration camp. She lost, she lost all of her family in the concentration camp, and she was in Ravensbrück, and she was in a couple others. And as she was going in there, she, she, uh, uh, they, they just took everything away from them, including their clothing, everything. As they were going through the line, though, she had her sister Becky with there. With, with her. And, and so Becky was going through uh, in front of her. And so she, she fainted or did something. I can't remember what it was because she had on her back a little snippet out of the gospel of Matthew. And somehow they were able to get through that line with the gospel of Matthew, a little snippet of the gospel of Matthew. And they would share that little bitty bit of God's word in their barracks and giving people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many, many were saved. Through that little bitty, it was only like maybe one chapter that they got through. Never underestimate the word of God. And I'll tell you one, this is a bit icky. So bear with me. You know how they also got scripture? They had a Bible confiscated, and the Nazis use the Bible for toilet paper. And as they were in latrines and they're pulling that out, the gospel was given out. Never underestimate the power of the gospel in God's word. Because it is living, it is active, and it gets, and it gets into people. Remember your word. Seek it. Know it. Share it. Remember the word. Last charge is this. We do this until the Lord gives us rest. Look at verse 15. Until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you, and they also possess the land your God is giving them, then you shall return to your own land and possess what Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. I love that towards the sunrise. I love the sunrise. And I have some of my sunrise people with me today. But what he's saying is, until the Lord gives us rest. That this is not something that we just say, well, you know, I've done my part in the, in the, I have given to the church and now that I have advanced in age that is just for anybody else to do and I don't have anything left to give. While you have breath in your lungs, you have something to give to the Lord. Until the Lord gives us rest. That's a very powerful image, don't you think? Till the Lord gives us rest. 
that we're to be about his business since the Lord gives us rest, that we're about to, that we are to, to do those things that um, God has prepared for us. And, and then one day when, when our life is finished, then we're okay that we've done what he's asked us to do. You see, what the principle here is, is till the Lord gives you that rest. Not when we determine it. It may not be the same ministry you had when you were younger, and that's okay. But, well, God will give us a different ministry. Had a lady years ago, she's in a nursing home, and she couldn't do much, and she was confined to a wheelchair. And she says, I do not know why the Lord keeps me alive. I wish you'd just take me home because I'm absolutely worthless sitting here. I said, you can still speak, right? She said, yeah. Just go in and bless somebody by tell them encouraging them or tell them about Jesus or Scripture. You see, God, we can do that. Because many times we get it in our minds that we're just retired. That has another connotation to it as I end this this morning. And I want you to be very careful about this. And I want you to listen very intently here. Are you prepared to enter your rest? Are you prepared to rest with Jesus Christ forevermore? We already talked about the fact, do you believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Let me put that charge to you. Let me just bring this full circle here. Are you ready to rest in Jesus Christ? Because we know through the, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that is our rest, that is our, our place, that we can come and we will be with the Lord forever, the Bible tells us. And so a permanent place. Now think about that. What, mean, what does that rest mean? A permanent place in the covenant of God that I'll never leave you or forsake you. And today you'll be with me in paradise. I love that one. You'll be with me. That is a covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ, and it is available to all people. Are you prepared to rest? Is your life at rest? Are you spiritually un... Or are you, do you have that spiritual unrest in your life? That you, you hear these things today, and as I, as I have your attention, you've heard these things today, but you just, you, you, you've heard them, and, and you know there's, there's power in those things, that the, not in my words, but in God's word. You know there's truth in that, but you're just spiritually not at rest. Are you confident enough that when you encounter Jesus Christ at the end of, at the end of your life, are you confident that you're going to see Jesus Christ, that there's not a shadow, in, a doubt in your heart or anything like that, that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you belong to Jesus Christ? Because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. We are not guaranteed another breath. But I want you to know when you leave here today, if you're spiritually confident in your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you do not have a relationship in Jesus Christ, today is the day. Today is the day the Bible tells us, do not harden your heart because you see, that's the issue. We hear these things and say, well, I'm doing pretty good on my own. I've been there. I'm doing pretty good on my own. I've got, I've got money in the bank. I've got a decent car. I've got a job that I like. I've got all these things going on for me. I'm doing pretty good on my own. Folks, that's just an aspect of our life. But do you have life? Do you have life in Christ? And so when we think about this today, I'm going to ask you today, how's your How's your heart? How's you, uh, how, how are you in relationship to Jesus Christ? Because if you're here today and you don't have that confidence, if you, don't, if, if you have those questions, and there's nothing wrong with questions, by the way. I love them. And you just, you just need a little bit more information. You see, that is what it's all about. We will, we will help you through that. I will help you through that. But if God is leading you, to enter into a rest, if he's entering, asking you to enter into a faith with him, today is the day. You may be here and God has called you into a new ministry 
that maybe an inner, a ministry that, that you've had for so long is now coming to an end, but God, you know, is, 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 uh, maybe put a thought in your heart or your mind and saying, you could do this. I want you to come pray about that. I want you to come pray about the fact that we have set these goals for, for our church. And once again, it's not to brag about the, all what we're doing. It's just to put people in, in front of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to pray about that. I want you to consider what, what God is doing in your life and for, the, for his glory. And so as we come to this, just know that, that we, have, we, we have this ability to come to rest in God. And I'm hopeful that you'll consider that now. And, there's no, and, and even before we get to this invitation, and, I'm, and I just have to say this very, very quickly here. There's not a person in this world who's going to think any less of you if you come down and talk, come down and pray. They're going to be thankful that you're doing it. They're going to be, they're going to be so overjoyed that you're coming. You say, well, I'm really not comfortable. You know, God can hear you as well, wherever you are. But you have to make this time. You have to make this time in listening to the word of God and respond to it. The Bible tells us to hearken to the teachings of God. Whatever God has you, whatever place you're in right now, he knows it. He knows that we're here. He knows what's going on in your life. He is faithful to help you. He is faithful to listen, to be there, and to save you or to, or to give you the encouragement and the, and the joy and to restore the joy back in your life. Because let me just say this. You may have gotten, you may have lost the joy of your relationship with God. If that's the case, spend some time with him and let him recharge your joy. But let us not miss this time. Let us not miss our opportunity now with God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I praise you. Because it is in the name of God. It is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is in the word of God that we come and we seek you this morning. And Heavenly Father, we know that Joshua and the people, Father, are getting ready to enter into a land. And Father God, you have things for us as well. Oh, Lord, let us not miss this opportunity. It may be to be baptized. It may be to join the church. It may be, Father God, just to lay some bitterness down they've had in their heart all week or maybe longer. It may be, God, that they want to come and pray for uh, that the, this church becomes, Father, uh, even more of a glory to you. They may come, Father, praying for their children. They may come praying for the schools or praying for their families, whatever it may be. But, Father God, let us come. And, Father, if there's some here today that do not know you as Savior, do not know and have that confidence in life forevermore, let them come today. Because this is all about the glory of you. So we thank you and praise you. And we do all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Would you